0: Welcome to Dark Nexus, Pathfinder Strange Eons Actual Play Podcast. My name is Rob. I'm the GM for this project, and we've got our four players with us.
1: I'm Katie. I'm Paul.
0: I'm Robert. And I'm Johnny. All right. So we are about to launch into Act Two of the podcast, the second book of the Strange Eons Adventure Path. But I thought we'd gather up first here to recap the prominent events from our first 30 odd episodes. There was a lot learned in Act 1, and this should be a relatively convenient way to refresh yourself on all the little details you may have forgotten along the way. All right, y'all ready? Yes. Yes. Here we go. Here's the story of Act 1 in brief. Four strangers woke up with no memory at all, locked in cells in a dungeon. A disturbed medical doctor tortured a man to death right before their eyes. They managed to free themselves, and in the process discovered that the doctor was a shape-shifting aberration called a doppelganger. And amongst the wreckage in this dungeon, they found battered and wrecked equipment that seemed to have been theirs. As they began talking to one another, they started to piece together, if not their actual identities, at least names they wanted to be called.
1: My character believed she remembered her name, and she said it was Dora.
2: Dora remembered that my character's
3: name might have been Brayden, but he said he goes by Ray. Dora remembered my character's name as Rip, but he said he was actually known as Grip. He didn't know who called him that, but it felt right.
4: After we found some old wedding rings that seemed to have belonged to me and Katie's character, Dora called my character Gulliver, and he said that was right. However, before that, he had called himself Stoney. And then after the name Gulliver came up, he called himself Gulliver Stoney. When asked what the V on the ring was for, he said it was very much none of your business. But he has to be called Gull.
0: Fast forward through some adventures. And these four protagonists found they were trapped in the wreckage of Briarstone Asylum, which is situated on an island where the Danver River... "'meets Lake and Karthin in the nation of Ustalav. "'Something had gone terribly wrong there, though. First, a series of earthquakes, "'triggered by a botched occult ritual, "'had turned the giant old building "'into a maze of rubble and wreckage-strewn bolt holes.' And then many of the patients that survived the disaster began following a patient named Ulver Zandalus, as though he were some sort of religious prophet. And then the yellow mists came, which encircled the asylum and trapped everyone on Briarstone, halfway between the real world and the dimension of dreams. The party hooked up with a group of survivors and formed a, a bit of a community with them throughout Act One. We met royal accuser Winter Kloshka, who later died, tragically. We met the pirate nurse, Nasa <laughs> and the Shalin worshiping nurse, Tolman, the capable soldier, Vauston, the stoic mute, Mura, and the kids, Maeve, Brenton, and Bates. We met uh, Denman, who had anger management issues, <laughs> and Erwin, who had had a terrible encounter with Grip and Gull in her past. We met Danae and Loic and Jared, and we met Basilie who turned out to be a doppelganger. In the early days of the adventure, we started to learn who our protagonists are now.
1: Dora is an Azamar psychic. She can read objects and locations and see images from their past. And she can blow people's heads up from across the room.
3: (laughs) Grip is a half-orc brawler and the dedicated meat shield of the party. He soaks up damage so the others don't have to take it and can adapt his fighting style as he needs to.
4: Gull is a steelhound human investigator and eventually also became a gunslinger. He can pick locks, mix alchemical extracts, and sneak around by blending into the shadows.
2: And Ray is a human oracle, blessed Or cursed with divine magic from
0: a source that remains a mystery to him. Based purely on their appearances, we also had hints as to the troubles in their pasts.
1: Dora carries the scars of an old brand on the back of her neck in the shape of what appears to be an eyeball. She also has a sickly purple stain all over the backside of her body.
3: Grip is missing several fingers, has his arms covered in what appear to be crude self-made tattoos of random shapes and patterns... And he also has a brand, an unidentified shape that looks like a wave or a lightning bolt, perhaps.
4: Gull has the same brand as Grip and started the adventure with a prominent facial tattoo of a spiral of equilateral triangles. He cut that skin off his face later, though, like you do.
2: Ray has no brand, but he is marked in two distinctive ways. All over his body, he is beginning to rot away. And... Everywhere, except for his face and hands, he is covered with the scars of the name Daria, having been carved into his flesh over and over, thousands of times.
0: And then the party found some journals and patient records as they explored the asylum. These indicated that they had all a total of five of them, not four. They'd all worked for a man named Count Hazerton Pragmas Lowells IV, the ruler of Versex County, and had been turned over by him... To Administrator Eliege Lissandro. Grip's file said that
3: his name was Gruck Riptusk, or Riptusk the Gray, the Laughing Tyrant.
2: Reyes said that his name was Braden Vaticus, and that he was the biological son of Tima Antea and Gulliver Vaticus.
1: The file for Tima Antea perfectly matched the physical description of Dora. This information began to put into place what Dora began calling her dark passenger, another entity inside of her that was continuously filled with rage. When the party was able to make contact with Tima, Tima claimed that the body was hers and that Dora had stolen it.
4: Gull read the file for Gulliver Vaticus, assuming it was his, but rather than answering any questions, it simply opened the door to more confusion. Based on physical description, Gulliver Vaticus was the name of the man who was tortured to death at the beginning of the adventure. We found a file for someone known only as the Triangle Man or the Snake, whose physical description matched my character. Gull's initial working theory was that Gulliver Vaticus had somehow swapped bodies with the Triangle Man, and that's why my character woke up wanting to claim all the gear that had belonged
0: to Dr. Vaticus. We also had other ways of learning little tidbits about the character's pasts, primarily through the use of Dora's psychic talents. She can read the memories and psychic significance embedded in objects and locations, and by doing so, we found a few more things out. Gruk Riptusk appeared to have been a lawman, a constable appointed by
3: Count Lowells in a ceremony that seemed to have been done almost as a joke. Also, Gruck was a vicious tyrant who seemed to take pleasure in causing pain.
2: Ray had apparently been a priest of Zonkouthon a vile god dedicated to torture and murder. This seemed to square with a prominent dream Ray had, where he was involved with a horrible religious rite known as a joy-making.
1: Doris saw visions of her body in the past, and Tima was definitely running it. She learned that the marriage between her and Gulliver Vaticus had apparently been her idea, but that she had no investment in it. And she learned that a man known as Actian Munn, a friend of Count Lowell's, had once given her a book that had changed her life forever.
0: We saw in a vision of Dr. Gulliver Vaticus that he and his son Ray had been close, that he had been actively teaching Ray to hate his mother, Tima, and that he at least once gave young Ray some alchemical concoction that he found to be significant.
4: And there have been no psychometry visions
0: involving Gull's current body. Yet. Finally, the characters all experienced incredibly intense dreams during their stay in Briarstone Asylum. We later learned that some details in those dreams were likely dragged in by the influence of Oliver Zandalus and a monster known as the Tatterman. But some details likely contained an element of truth about their old lives. Grip dreamed of
3: being consumed by a mob of creatures that were both dogs and children, and of a horror known as the Corpse Orgy. He also dreamed of being in a circular fortress made of thorns where he was running away from a giant woman in a dog mask with an eagle on her shoulder. And he also dreamed that he had had a twin brother that he punched in the face until he was nothing but a bloody mess.
2: Ray had a dream of this ritual known as the joy-making. He also dreamed of a city beside a body of water made of tears. The city was filled with chained people, and in this dream Ray seemed to be trying to kill himself. And he also dreamed of skipping down a foggy road towards some unknown calamity that he was unable to prevent himself from heading towards.
4: Gull had a dream that he was at the Cincomacte School of Sciences trying to find a book called The Chain of Knights. In the dream he was a shape-changer, constantly morphing in form. But in the dream, he thought of his true identity as that of a plague ridden little boy wearing soiled diapers and tear soaked orange scarves.
1: Dora dreamed of two versions of herself, a mother and a child, walking hand in hand through a creepy mansion known as Iris Hill. They were looking for a book, a book that would make Mummy happy. They found it. They also found a baby girl, and Mummy loved the baby girl.
0: Those are the highlights of where the characters are at and what they know about themselves. There are a ton of other details, of course, from the 37 episodes of Act 1. We can't hit them all, but here is a lightning round for you. We're currently rowing across
3: Lake and to the town of Thrushmore, where it seems we all came from, recently at least. And apparently Count Lowell's, our former boss and the ruler of the area, has been reported missing.
1: One of the prominent NPCs we met was this royal accuser named Winter Klashka. Winter was murdered by a doppelganger, but not before telling us that another agent of the crown, someone named Accuser Omari, was, at least recently, in Thrushmore investigating Count Lowell's disappearance.
4: We also know that there is a detective outfit in Thrushmore known as the Sleepless Agency. Gull is holding the business card of its owner, a woman named Cassadia Rents.
2: And we know that there's someone or something called the Stranger out there that is tangled up in the story somehow.
1: Dora learned that this whole area has a long troubled history centered around a woman named Ariadne called the Briarstone Witch, who engineered an event called the Thrushmore Vanishing many hundreds of years ago. She turned the entire populace to the worship of unknown dark powers. And when the government came with an army to deal with the situation, no living being was found in the entire town only gruesome stains on the walls.
3: We know that there are some ancient standing stones in the area. Apparently, 3 in Thrushmore and 2 unfinished ones on Briarstone Isle.
2: We know that the worship of a great old one called Hastur or the King in Yellow is tangled up in the story somehow. Our characters don't know much about him yet, but he's on our radar.
1: This ancient book called The Chain of Knights seems to have been stolen from the Cincomacti School by Johnny's character and then given to Count Lowell's, who gave it to Administrator Lissandro. She performed a ritual contained within it, and that's what unleashed all the hell we experienced on Briarstone Isle. The party has just come into possession of that book.
4: We have reason to believe that me and Robert's characters in their former lives, or at least the body my character is currently inhabiting— gruesomely murdered the previous administrator of Briarstone Asylum, a man named Dr. Berigman Trice.
3: Near the end of Act One, we started meeting some of our backup characters. We learned that a little boy named Bates is Johnny's backup should Gull die, and we learned that the little fox that Dora carried around for half of the act was actually my backup character, Barnabas the Kitsune.
1: And finally, though all of our starting characters survived Act 1, we didn't all survive completely intact. Both Dora and Grip are suffering from lesser madnesses, and both Dora and the nurse Nasa contracted filth fever. Dora, in fact, is in a significantly weakened state from the disease.
0: Okay, that's the end of what I prepared as a recap. Do any of you feel like I left anything out that was significant or were there any things that you all wanted to remind yourselves or ask yourselves about since it has been a while since we've played?
4: I definitely feel like the prologue the middle log scene and the epilogue scenes all of those have so much bits and pieces of information Mm -hmm.
0: but I don't (laughs) there's so much in all of them I don't know how to uh, let's see if I can do a quick recap of those We know you all crossed paths with this thing called The Stranger. We know it all happened when your characters happened to have been nine years old, which was at different points in time. We know that The Stranger extended a hand to each of you and asked you your names, and we kind of got at the very, very tail end of book one how you all answered that question. What did Grip say? He called himself Rip Tusk. Oh, right. Brayden said... That a hateful old witch gave him the name Brayden, so he, you should call him Ray. Mm-hmm. And what did what did you read? My name is Roni. Roni. Mm.
1: And then uh, Katie, what happened with you? I answered, I am Anathema.
0: Yeah. So we don't quite know yet what the stranger is. We don't quite know what happened after the stranger met your characters, but we did in the interlude. Meet the stranger at another point in time where she slaughtered a bunch of your other characters from a different campaign. Almost all, but not all. Except for Jane, who had to flee for her life. And that somehow that particular scene was significant to the rest of you. And we'll find out more about that maybe in the prologue of Act 2. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) I'm not uh, I'm not leaving that scene behind anytime soon. Thank God. Did I get the highlights of that that stuff? I think so. It's one of those weird ones where, um, because you're getting those pieces of story so out of time, and because as we've kind of discussed, your characters didn't really process that that information. You know, so well, I'm sharing some privy
1: inf- to most of that information.
0: They are now. They are. We are. Uh, we are now privy to those in pieces of information. The interlude. Yes. Yeah, as of the very end of the last book, your characters now know everything that has been yeah. said out loud on the podcast. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. It's a lot to process, and we will you know, make sure that we take some time at the top of Act 2 to process that. Uh, So I would suggest, at least to the four of you, maybe right before we head back, since those interludes and prologue and epilogue are fairly short, just to maybe brush yourself back up on those things so you can think of them as things that you know.
4: There, There was also a bit of information in the prologue and then the beginning of the dream sequence where the physical actions that our characters took in those scenes, were mirrored in the
0: epilogue. So, the nightmare that you first woke up into—very, very beginning of book one, beginning of chapter one, where you were in that nightmare city and the the Tatterman—you know, you know who that was. The Tatterman was chasing you and killed you. You know now that it was Oliver Zandalus's consciousness that dragged you all there. We all know that the Tatterman was there because he was haunting the dreams of both Zandalus and everyone on the island, which included you. And we later learned that the things that you did in those dreams were essentially echoes or repeats of the actions that you took immediately before you first met the stranger. Everything you did—this was fun for me, like I knew— I knew what there's kind of an exciting, inciting incident for each of you. And then I know that you meet the stranger and I just told myself, whatever you all do in that uh, first dream is what your little nine year old selves did at that moment. And then I can extrapolate it into what the actual scene was. So somehow each of those dreams uh, wrapped in, pulled in a piece of your subconscious into this memory. And that's sort of something that I was touching on, I think, a couple different points, interludes and epilogue, that even though your conscious memories have been taken, that you are all connected to the plane of dreams, and the way information is stored there may be different than the way it's stored in the conscious mind, and that it may actually live there separately to you and you tap into it, or maybe this other thing, and you now all understand that something is trying to contact you. That maybe that thing has the ability to, to read it or see it or touch it in a way that your, your simple human or half-orc minds can't quite do yet. So this was a
4: question that I had when you say that we all have knowledge of the things that we have been heard on the on the podcast. Yeah. Um, are those only things that uh, happen to each of our own characters, or would we be aware of the other things
0: that happen to the other characters? You would be aware of. Everything, And I will touch a little bit on that in the prologue to act Two. Great. I'll clarify that a little bit. Thank you. Think of, think of those experiences where those memories were being shaken loose from your subconscious, whether you were experiencing them in the dimension of dreams or you were experiencing them in these moments of the bell ringing and this alien thing trying to contact you. Think of those as a communal experience. Great. Thank you. What else? What else might have felt significant to you, or you want to refi- refresh yourselves on?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you didn't mention, uh huh, the thing that drove Dora mad, did you? I guess it uh, seems significant, but yes. maybe you know, not till book six.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe so. Now that you have a sense of what the challenge rating of that thing may <laughs> or might not be, might be CR seventeen. Mm.
1: Yeah. Or oh twenty. My God.
0: There is there is <laughs> Stop something with so, the seventeen. There is something so <laughs> impossibly massive nested beneath the uh, the surface of Briarston Isle, thus below the surface of Lake Encarthen, that door got a little window of a peek into. And we later learned that this creature was disturbed in its slumbers by the various occult rituals that happened and various other entanglements with the dimension of dreams, and that every time this thing shifted even just slightly as it was sleeping, catastrophic earthquakes tore across the island. Multiple times. Yeah. And and yes, Katie, we are not done with that. But <laughs> it might be a while, as you were guessing. Oh, really?
4: <laughs> that gun that was introduced will certainly go off later on in this
0: podcast. I have indeed introduced a lot of guns. Is that Chekhov's Elder Horror? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no backup characters for Paul or myself introduced yet. Not yet. yet.
4: That Not we're yet. aware of.
1: <clears throat> Openly introduced.
2: Right. I've been listening to Acts 1 episodes, of course, as they both as they release and in preparation for coming into Act 2 and... You know, I, I kind of feel like we definitely built a team and came together, but I feel like it, what's interesting is for me is like how we enter into this next act uh, as how do I, we identify ourselves, you know, we, we've bonded together, we fought evil together, we succeeded together, but we still have some unresolved, both un- unresolved memory issues and unresolved identity
1: know, character, issues. character
2: conflicts and, and yeah, identity stuff. So that's interesting to me to, like, come back to that and not rehash it, but to, like, re-understand it or, like, what is what is it in new contexts? Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Yeah, we're going back to the world. We don't have to stay together. Right. Right. Uh, we have many more options. There's no yellow fog fencing us in now. But on the other hand, we are the only three people each one of us knows, really. Right. All born on the same day.
4: Well, we we do know NASA, our pirate <laughs>
1: she's gonna die of Oh fever. Oh,
0: she's going back to the to the lighthouse. Oh, she? oh back to cool. the
1: lighthouse. That's right. The I lighthouse do. from the picture. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: ever so important
1: picture.
0: <laughs> great, great, great. Well, it feels like uh, anything else we got lingering, we can pick up on air as we move forward, right? Yeah. Yep.